Let us join our hearts as we go to God in prayer. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit, that in your light we may see light, in your truth find freedom, and in your will discover your peace. In our gratitude and through Jesus Christ, our Savior and friend, amen. Our first scripture reading from the New Testament today is John chapter 3, verses 1 through 21. Please join with me as I read John 3, 1 through 21. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. Jesus answered him, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can, en- can anyone enter a second time into the mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh. Do not be astonished that I said to you, you must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it but you do not know where it comes or from where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can these things be? Jesus answered, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know and testify to what we have seen, yet you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you about earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you about heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And just as Moses lifted up the servant in the wilderness, so must the Son of God be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but may have an eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Those who believe in him are not condemned, but those who do not believe are condemned already because they have not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world. And people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light so that their deeds may not be exposed. But those who do what is true Come to the light, so that it may be clearly seen that their deeds have been done in God. 
The word of the Lord. Our Old Testament lesson this morning comes from the prophet Isaiah, the second chapter, verses 1 through 5. So listen now for the word of God to the church on this first Sunday of Advent. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. O house of Jacob, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In just a few weeks, Christians in parts of the Southwest and in Mexico will begin the annual celebration of Las Posadas. It's a festival that runs for a period of nine days. It ends on Christmas Eve. It's one night for each month of the Virgin Mary's pregnancy. In Spanish, Las Posadas means the lodgings or the shelters. And that is what the festival is about. It recreates the wandering of Mary and Joseph as they searched for shelter in Bethlehem. On Christmas Eve, communities that are celebrating Las Posadas light the path to Midnight Mass, to church, with warm and glowing lights. Back in the 1500s, country roads and churchyards would be lined with bonfires. And by the light of these fires, people made their way through the darkness to the local church where they would celebrate the birth of the light of the world. Over time, those bonfires were replaced with ferrolitos, which means little lanterns. Frontier families near the Santa Fe Trail used to use Chinese paper lanterns, which were beautiful and colorful, but also expensive and hard to come by. So many soon found that durable brown paper bags worked just as well. And today, we call these lights luminaries but they still serve their original purpose. They still light Mary and Joseph's path to the manger. They still guide worshipers through the night. They still echo the prophetic call of Isaiah, come, let us walk in the light of the Lord. Advent, after all, is the domain of the prophets. It's the prophets who give Advent its message and its trajectory and its hope And while the prophets regularly point us to the light, they are also honest about the darkness. They do not hide the fact that life is imperfect. They do not deny or ignore the pain that exists in the world, the injustice that exists in the world, 
and the failures and disappointments that exist in the world. And yet their purpose is always to guide us through and beyond that darkness, to remind us that God is at work through it all, finding ways to guide us toward hope and a divine light that cannot be overcome. So it seems fitting for us to begin our Advent journey this morning in the shadows with a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee in Jerusalem. He was a leader among the Jews, and he was a man who, the Gospel of John tells us, came to Jesus by night. Nicodemus was curious about Jesus. He was drawn to Jesus, but he did not want anyone to see him coming to Jesus because his friends in the Sanhedrin would not have appreciated that curiosity. Jesus was beginning to cause trouble for them. He was routinely challenging their authority and their wisdom. And Jesus was making them look bad, to be honest. If Nicodemus was associated with Jesus, or even worse, suspected of being a supporter of Jesus, then his prestige and his position and even his wealth would be in jeopardy. It was dangerous for Nicodemus to be interested in Jesus. So he thought it best to come in secret, to stay cloaked in the shadows, at least until he knew more. So Nicodemus came to Jesus by night. As a result, the name Nicodemus has become associated through the ages with anyone who comes haltingly or partially to faith in Christ. In the heat of the Reformation, the Protestants of France were in as much danger as anyone. Their country was very Catholic, and the pressure to conform to that Catholicism was very intense. These Protestants did not have very many resources. They couldn't just pick up and leave the country, and they certainly didn't feel like they could practice their true faith openly. So many of them stayed put and worked pretty hard to stay below the radar, trying to look as Catholic as they could without, keeping their, uh, without letting their Protestant beliefs uh, escape or be seen. John Calvin, the great Reformation-era theologian, sometimes called these French Protestants Nicodemites because in his words they kept their true feelings in the dark. It's not something we have to worry about all that much today, being openly persecuted for our Christian beliefs, at least not in the same way as the Protestants of France once did and as as others have. But we can still, I think we would admit, be leery at times about showing too much of our faith, about stepping completely out in faith. I think each of us would probably admit that there are things that we have a pretty good feeling that Scripture is calling us to say or to do. But we are still reluctant to say those things or do those things openly because we are fearful. Fearful of what our family might say, our friends might say, our coworkers and employers might say. We don't want to upset anyone. And still there are places of darkness in our lives. There are still, obviously, lessons we need to learn about walking in the paths of the Lord. We all have conflicts that need to be arbitrated by a righteous judge. We still wage battles that have gone on far too long. 
battles within nations, within churches, within families that have cost us dearly. There are places where we desperately need the light to shine, but all too often, as Jesus told Nicodemus, we still somehow prefer the darkness. Maybe it just seems easier to keep fighting the same old battles. At least we're used to them. At least we know where we stand within them. And yet we still know that we need that hopeful message that someday these these conflicts will be resolved and that God's peace will be found, that there will be a time when the swords we have wielded for so long will be beaten down into something more helpful than harmful, that someday we will not learn or practice war anymore. Dr. James L. Bray was one of the most memorable professors in the history of Salem College up in North Carolina. My mom is an alumna of that institution, and she remembers very well being in one of Dr. Bray's education classes years and years ago when he said to all the students, Ladies, you will learn something from every job you ever have. And then he took a big drag of his cigarette That shows you how long ago we're talking about. He apparently would just chain smoke through an entire class. So he took a big drag on his cigarette and he began to describe this job, this first job that he had out of school. And he was in a very small town in Virginia called Lowmoor. Now Lowmoor is nestled in the mountains of Virginia, not far from the border of West Virginia. It was then, and pretty much is now, very remote and very desolate. And there was not much going on for a young, single adult in Lomor. So he took a big drag on that cigarette and he finished what he was saying. He says, ladies, what I learned from that job was no more, low more. And in a way, it is pretty close, I think, to what Isaiah was trying to say to the nation of Israel. What have we learned from our living? What have we learned from all of the conflict? What do we know after all the warring, after running after the wrong ends, after worshiping the wrong things? What have we learned having endured all the pain of our sinning? What we have learned, Isaiah says, is... No more. We know these things do not work for us. We know that we want something new. We know that we are hoping for a day when nation will not lift up sword against nation, when we will not learn war anymore. Oh, come, house of Jacob, come. Let us leave the shadows. Let us be bolder in our faith. Let us be open to taking new instruction from God. Let us welcome the new thing. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. When Nicodemus first encountered Jesus under the cover of night, Jesus uh, shared the good news with that powerful statement that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. And indeed that God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And it seemed that 
Nicodemus really paid attention to where Jesus went next, which was a little darker. This is the judgment, Jesus continued, that the light has come into the world, but people loved darkness rather than light because their deeds of evil were were evil. And all who do evil hate the light and do not come to the light, but those who do what is true come to the light so that their deeds may be clearly seen to have been done in God. Seems that Nicodemus really heard that because Nicodemus actually appears two more times in the narrative of John's gospel, briefly but significantly, I would say. The first time, it seems like he is stepping out a little bit from the shadows. The Jewish assembly of the Sanhedrin is meeting in Jerusalem in the temple. The Pharisees and the scribes are debating heatedly over what to do with this rabble-rouser, this upstart Jesus. And as his peers scheme and plot against Jesus, Nicodemus stands up and takes a little step into the light. He dares to argue on Jesus' behalf, not fully, not completely. It was kind of a procedural thing. He says that according to the law, the Sanhedrin could not rightly judge anyone without first giving them a fair hearing and an opportunity to be heard. It's really not till the third and final time that Nicodemus' name appears in the narrative that it is clear that he has stepped boldly into the daylight, the daylight of his faith and the daylight of his witness. It is the afternoon of Good Friday, and Jesus hangs dead on the cross. And it is at this point that Nicodemus stands up with another formerly secret disciple, who had not previously come out of the Christian closet, if you will, a secret disciple by the name of Joseph of Arimathea. And the man who had once been willing to come to Jesus only under the cover of night now goes publicly to the Roman governor to ask for the body of Jesus. Nicodemus and Joseph of Arimathea then carry that body through Jerusalem in the broad daylight where no shadows could hide their loyalties. And with no desire to hide, no attempt to disguise their actions, no shame in the faith that they had come to have, Nicodemus and Joseph bury Jesus in a new garden tomb in full accordance with the Jewish law. It seems that this path out of the darkness and into the light is the one that is laid before us on this first Sunday of Advent. And it begins with our confession that in many ways we do still prefer the darkness. We kind of like what we can hide there. We kind of like that the darkness does not ask us to mend our flaws that the darkness does not challenge our bad habits, that the darkness lets us nurse old grudges and hold on to familiar enemies. The prophet Isaiah urges us to say, no more. No more grudges. No more resentments that go nowhere. No more waging old wars that nobody wins. God is about to do a new thing, Isaiah says. God is bringing a new light into the world, not to condemn it, but to save it. And like bonfires lighting the way through the darkness, Isaiah lights the advent path that we are called to take. The people who walked in darkness, he writes, have seen a great light. 
Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. So come, O house of Jacob, come. Let us walk in the light of the Lord. Amen.